Hi, and welcome back to the monthly podcast series for Transformational Insights, looking at the transformational changes that are reshaping our industry today. My name is Faith Forster, founder of Pinnipa, an engagement tool to make engaging stakeholders easier. Today, we're talking with Mike Bracken, who led the digital agenda for the UK central government until recently and is now chief digital officer for the co-op group. Thank you for your time today, Mike. First of all, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what made you so passionate about the power of digital? Uh, my background is I was an internet researcher before the web existed, so I've always been very passionate about digital uh, issues. Uh, I've been working in this space uh, for 25 years. I always saw the power of the internet to connect people and to make a profound effect on society in terms of its social and political value as well as its commercial uh, proposition as well. So the government has a long-standing culture of delivering via contracts. What led to the invitation to be extended to you to, uh, to disrupt this? Um, well, in 2010, Martha Lane Fox wrote a report called Digital by Default, which I participated in, and a number of things happened in government to, to make the timing of that report really helpful for change. The first was there was a financial crash. There was, a, so there was no money for the first time for a long time. The second was that we had a new government uh, who were... Uh, who wanted to do things in a different way. And we had a, a minister in Francis Maud who was absolutely focused on the reform of the machinery of government. Then we had another issue, which is people's demand for public services and digital public services was very much on the rise and people were unhappy about what they were getting. And also there was a high level of demand internally from public servants who were sort of fed up with their IT. And we just had one of many, many sort of IT problems in the NHS IT. And all those factors came together in about 2010, 2011. And Martha wrote a report. And Francis Moore, to his incredible credit, did something very unusual for a politician, which is he accepted every single uh, recommendation and said, like, let's do all of those. And uh, one of them was to create GDS, a government digital service. And I was recruited to be its founder and to uh, to make up the name, actually, and um, also to um, to lead it, which I did for four and a half years. And so what made you brave enough to take this on and try to disrupt government? Well, I've been working in this space or advising, consulting, writing, all the rest of it for, for a long time. And I saw that there were, there, were, there were these five main blockers to government really transforming itself. And I always said to myself, if a time comes when all those five are in alignment, when there is you know, a strong political uh, backing, when there is uh, a strong commercial necessity to make change, when there, when there is a strong internal and external demand, and when there is a sort of an external environment which is supporting it, then I would be foolish not to have a go. I was actually on my way to the States for another job, and, um, and then this came along and I just thought, I've got to have a go at this. So you, a lot was achieved during your time steering the digital agenda for the central government. Can you give your own version of what you thought the highlights were? Well, highlights. Um, you can look for the delivery of things as a highlight, whether it's Ian Patterson, Mike Bevan, taking millions, possibly billions over time out of agencies like the DVLA. You can look at the launch of Gov.uk. You can look at the, the internal changes in government to make you know, e-petitions, making questions in the House of Commons. I, I think the biggest single thing we did was to start a culture. Mm-hmm. When we arrived in government, the all the people in government who were absolutely fed up with this sort of big big IT build, big recruit, big um, requirement capture, wait five years and get a, a failed IT programme. And we've shown them they can do a different way now. And you see that in international governments. There's five or six governments right now 
setting up or have set up you know, straight up imitations of government digital service to do this, to work in this way. And I think that's the biggest achievement is that I don't want to claim credit for things we haven't done because I think things will happen in the future because of the tens of thousands of people we have shown, very talented people who have been shown that it can work in a different way. And once you've worked in that way, you sort of can't go back. So I don't know what will happen, uh, but what I'm seeing internationally is governments around the world following suit. And I think that the biggest thing we did was give people the confidence to show that they can deliver public services digitally and show them that all the things that the a small number of vendors and suppliers who had a lockdown on this system said couldn't be done could actually be done. And that, that was no mean feat. <laughs> um, clearly, bureaucratic and risk-adverse environments like central government are notoriously difficult to change. Um, so I'm sure there were some challenges in getting to that point. What would you do differently if you had your time again? A bit bolder, and I... I've only finished two months ago, so I need a year to reflect on that. But uh, <laughs> I would, I'd have gone bolder, I've gone deeper if I could have done. And I would have really pressed for starting again in some, um, some areas. There are some parts of government which are frankly beyond reform. Because, not because the people in them, but because of their operational structures. They're, they're so bedded in, you need to start again. Uh, I think the thing I would have done is... Uh, on reflection is I would have been it sounds easier now but I would have been clearer in shouting out some of the appalling practices that I saw on occasion in parts of the public sector. The public sector is a very wide and federated system and I had the privilege of being given a mandate which from the centre allowed me to dive into this system all over it and I think I, you know, me and Mike, Bevan and a few other people got to know the operations of government far better than most people. And I say that because most people who work in government work in a silo, they work in a department or an agency. They may even work in one or two in a career. We saw all of them, 300 agencies, 27 major departments of state, and very few people have the scope to see what's going on across that system operationally. And there are parts of that system which are they're not unaccountable, but have sort of developed a culture which is outside of outside of policy. Uh, when government, when ministers say we want to do a certain thing, there's a very strong pushback saying, "Well, we do it this way around here." And I think I would have called that out a bit more. It's not it's not a sensible that that part of it is something that I regret not doing. And I, I think with one or two of the projects we worked on, some of which will come back through Parliament, I'll have the opportunity to do that. So you've now turned your attention to the private sector. So what attracted you to the co-op group, who have also had their own challenges, actually? The cooperative is it's an astounding organisation and it's run by its members. What attracted me to, to the cooperative was the latent possibility of bringing together the internet pioneers and the, the Rochdale pioneers who founded the cooperative in 1844 because the pioneering principles of the cooperative about being mutual, about being commercial, but about not giving money back to shareholders but to paying a dividend back to its users, to having an ethical code and actually having member-led member organisations. There's a huge correlation between that approach and what I believe are the founding principles of the internet which are interdependence neutrality, transparency and we are going to see in my opinion uh, whilst the web will continue to develop commercially of course, we're going to see people 
push back a little bit, understanding that trust has been damaged by how companies use their data and big platforms use the data. I think we'll see people make much more ethical choices online. Um, and I think the cooperative is incredibly well placed because of its membership base and because of its brand to become, ironically, a, an internet pure play. And that's what I hope to, to lead us towards. Big ambitions. So the role of Chief Digital Officer, um, if you don't mind, it's, it's certainly a new one and something that's being explored by a lot of organisations. You've provided a shining light in terms of what's possible. What advice would you give to other organisations who have big digital ambitions? Depends where they are. I mean, the Chief Digital Officer was, was the right thing for government to do at a certain time. And it's the right thing for the, a fed, large federated organisations to do. Usually, and it's not something I would advocate that everyone needs, but for large organizations who require who are looking for large-scale digital transformation having a person who is effectively the advocate of the user through that transformation on the board is essential the reason why is and it's just it's just because otherwise there's a gap and the reason why is many organizations will default to marketing which is selling some you know it's effectively a, an advanced selling technique where the the focus is on how the business can improve its relationship with the customer, not the other way around. Or IT, which is where you usually have enterprise IT uh, who are trying to do everything from networks and infrastructure all the way up. And the digital officer really sits in between those and says, well, hang on, I'll be the advocate for the user here as we go through those change. As I say, not everyone needs it, but um, I think in large federated organisations for the next five to ten years, we'll see chief digital officers being the the levers of that transformation from a sort of analog business to being a, a digital business. This this is definitely an exciting time for organisations who are willing to embrace quite a different way of working. What do you think the next few years will bring for those who are willing to sort of take on that that journey? <laughs> it depends who you're talking about. I mean, in organisations like the, I mean, the co-op, it's going to be fantastically interesting as we get deeper connections with our members, as we understand what they want digitally, as we can provide more service to them. But more to the point bring them into a community play and get them talking to each other and talking to us to create any benefit. So that's it's going to be fantastic at the cooperative. I think for organisations that don't go down a, a transformation path, for a lot of organisations, they should look at the internet and just say, well, if you're not going to go down that path, what's your business or organisation going to look like in two to three years? I think it's a, there are some that maybe don't, could retain a position, but the internet is changing everything very quickly. And large organisations have... I think little choice to embrace some of this change. How you embrace it is is a critical question. If you embrace it with your users and say we're going to put your needs first as we go through that, then you I think you stand a good chance. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to retain the current organisation setup and structures of the business, you're going to have a little bit of a harder uh, harder play. Very good. Thank you so much for your time and All insights. Right. Thanks very much. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed another insightful podcast for Transformational Insights. Next month, we'll be talking with Alice Breeden, the Head of People Operations for Google in EMEA, about the power of being positive in driving performance. I hope you'll join us then. Mm-hmm.